Welcome. You're listening to The Pulse, a Merge podcast series that inspires clinical thought leaders to share best practices on their pursuit to delivering standards of care. Here's Todd Budka, founder and CEO of Merge. Today, we're speaking with Kelly Shiflett, Assistant Vice President of Growth and Business Development at HCA Physician Service Group. Kelly has over 30 years of experience in healthcare and with a background in a variety of practice management and leadership roles. Uh, Kelly, thank you for being here and, and doing uh, this with us today. Uh, we're thrilled you could take the time out of your day to be here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, you know, I've enjoyed, uh, obviously, I've been with HCA about 20 years, so a lot of experience in all different areas of the organization and work with a number of vendors, so I'm happy to share my experience here today. Can you tell us a little bit about your career path? Um you're now uh, an assistant vice president for growth and business development at HCA. How'd you get there? Sure, I'm, I'm happy to share my experience. Um, I, I will tell you, I, I really start, have always been in healthcare in different areas of the organization. Um, but about 20 years ago, I was working in a primary care practice um, and, and we had just converted over to an EMR and it was horrendous. <laughs> And, uh, and that was an interesting learning experience. And then shortly thereafter, we located a different company that we thought would do a better job and, and they did and we converted. So um, I would say I have a long history of, of really getting frustrated when things don't work well for my providers, for my patients, for my teams. And so I just lean into the problem as hard as I can to try to fix it. And that's a quality that HCA likes. And so when that practice, this, this large primary care practice north of uh, Austin, was acquired as a part of HCA, I was a part of that acquisition. I wasn't sure um, you know, how I would like working for a large corporate um, organization, large corporate medicine, uh, and it's, it was a bit of a growing curve, but I, I did decide from the very beginning, I was gonna tell them exactly what I thought needed to be fixed and how to fix it. I was gonna be respectful, but I wasn't gonna hold back on my opinions. And unfortunately, uh, that's the kind of quality that, that HCA and really most organizations look for. They want people that are gonna be honest and direct and, and forthcoming and really lean into complicated business problems. So, and so uh, when I first started, I was um, really kind of a, a front office assistant. And mm -hmm. um, you know, just it, it's like anything, you do well, you get more responsibility. So in my in my time with HCA, I, I quickly moved from being a, a, an office assistant to a practice manager over that practice. Um, same same attitude of we're going to lean into the problem, guys. We're going to fix it. We're going to figure out what those problems are. From that, I went to being a regional director over several primary care practices. Did that for a while, loved it, and then was approached by leadership saying, you know, we really want to use your skills in some different service lines. Um, and I love primary care. But they said, how about you go over to cardiology? And so that was a bit of a leap, but I was glad to take it. I went to work for Austin Heart as one of their regional directors over several practices. Loved the organization, loved cardiology, you know, an immediate fit, great organization. Um, and eventually, uh, after a few years of that, moved into leading Austin Heart. Uh, the gentleman that had been there for 25 years retired. And so I stepped into his role and um, very large primary care practice and I'm sorry, primary care, very, very large cardiology practice, which EP was a part of it at the time in the beginning. And uh, and after a few years of doing that within HCA, the opportunity to move into the uh, division vice president over all the service lines in, in Austin and El Paso became available. And so about four years ago, I moved into that role. And that was interesting. I mean, it's everything. It's, it's primary care, women's services, neurosciences, 
Um, it, it's moving into behavioral health. It was a great learning experience, great teams, great physicians. Um, again, it's it's kind of marrying, you know, the, the the scale that HCA brings with, you know, just the individual care of the patients. And so it's bringing all those things together. And I love that opportunity and that role. Um, and then, um, you know, about six months ago, moved into this, which is a, a little less pressure day to day, but still a, a great opportunity working closer with vendors like Merge to bring great products and services, still solving problems, still looking at complex business solutions and how we can apply them and marry, marry them up with the services that we need. And so uh, very happy to be in this role and very happy to be um, you know, working with companies like Merge to bring great products to our, to our patients and to our uh, providers. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a great career path, Kelly. I, it's, it's, I've only known a little bit about you, but understanding um, the various pathways you've taken to get to where you are, it's, it's, uh, it's very cool to hear. When, when you look at, you know, jumping into this cardiology, is there, is there anything um, that jumps out to you uh, as far as the enjoyment, <clears throat> the enjoyment within uh, the cardiology focus versus, uh, say, the primary care. Are they similar challenges uh, that you face uh, today versus earlier in your career with the different uh, care providers, or or very similar across each sort of subspecialty and or primary care? That's a good question. I think that the cardiologists and the, the electrophysiologists, very intense personalities, <laughs> very specific, um, very intense. And so you better be at the top of your game. You better be ready to answer questions and understand. And um, I just think it's a level of intensity, both great, great, you know, great folks to work with. But I think the intensity is much more with your EP and your, your cardiologists. Um, you know, what they do is, is, is very intricate, very delicate, requires a lot of collaboration and discussion, and you better be, you, you know, you better have your full game on that day when you're, when you're working with them. <laughs> yep. Well said, well said. You said you had an EHR integration that went the wrong way, and the, but then you found that better technology. Are there lessons along the way that you could, that, that always stick with you? You know, you get in a new position and a new role and that lesson still still applies and you you share with the team hey folks i once went through this and, and we're going to learn from that so we don't make that mistake twice any anything in, in your repertoire of never going to make that mistake again or i saw someone else make that mistake we're going to make sure we avoid that pothole yeah definitely there's been a few things that that come to mind um you know i mean really when you're a high performer and, and especially if you're in, in practice operations and, you know, when you start out, your responsibilities are fewer. And, and if, you're, if you're a high performer, you tend to be a bit of perfectionist. And as you grow in your responsibilities, now you're responsible for more and more and everything can't be put to the level that you want it to be. And you can't let that hold you back. And you've got, to, I think the biggest skill as you expand in your career is you have to make sure that the people around you trust you and you trust them. And that you hire just really good talent, folks that, you know, you're going to look over their shoulder, but you're confident they're going to get it done or they're going to come to you um, and if there's a problem. And so, you know, you have to be able to, to kind of match that scale, know how to delegate out, know how to um, identify talent and train that talent and, and hold them accountable. 
um, build trust within your teams, because that's the only way you're going to be successful. You can be great at one thing. And I see this with physicians too. They can be just incredible clinicians, but if they can't communicate well or collaborate with their teams or people are afraid to approach them, um, then, then, that, then they're not as, you're not as good as you could be. You're missing out. And so you've got to have that high level of communication, collaboration with your teams. And then, and, you know, being that perfectionist too, don't, don't let good enough, you know, get in, don't let great get in the way of good enough. <laughs> you sometimes you just got to push forward even when you don't have all the answers. You do everything you can to gather the information, but sometimes you just got to push forward, make a decision, and then kind of and 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 then adjust. You know, adjust as needed. So um, I, I think that just that really good communication, collaboration, and and don't let that perfectionism get in your way of doing the job you need to do. It, it can be overwhelming. It can be so overwhelming. So many plates spinning at the same time. As, as I tell my teams, you know, if it was easy, anybody could do it. It's hard. That's why we're here. So, um, you know, just really keep that that perspective when it we feel like you're drowning. You know, Kelly, I've had a career in, in different technology companies and, and I'm not clinical. And uh, but I, I play an operating role at Merge. And what's interesting and that the what I love about what you just stated is you've got a philosophy about managing. And as you said, you know, a, a business manager, a high performing business manager, and, and you're thrown in these roles where they expect that high performance. But how you just described how you approach the challenges of business could be applied to most any business mm -hmm. out there. And, and that's yep. what I love, because it's not as much. Th those philosophies, you have to learn that the, obviously the, the specialty of the clinical care focus area. And, and certainly that's why I've partnered with Todd. He's highly clinical and he understands the, the needs of, of the EP community. And I kind of bring to it that business experience of those lessons learned um, and some basic philosophies. And I love how you have your basic philosophies as well. That's, it's neat to see because it's, it, it allows you, it would allow you, I'm sure to move from one kind of practice specialty to the other as long as you can deliver results with that high performance philosophy, um, it, it's going to serve you well in any career path. Yeah, th those are overlapping, right, Reed? I mean, just in the, in the challenges that we face on our day-to-day -day building a software company, um, it starts with surrounding yourself with great people, training and elevating those people to, to excel in your organization. I mean, quite similar to what Kelly just articulated. Um, we're faced with the same things in our growing business. So uh, it, it was well said. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I when I'm interviewing candidates to, to be a part of the team, you know, I always describe there's busy and then there's what I call HCA busy, where they throw everything in the book at you <laughs> and you're just drowning. And I, you know, I, I really want to make sure that that our teams are ready for success and and you can easily drown if you let it happen. Or you just kind of, you know, compartmentalize those problems um, and, you know, forge ahead. And when you feel like you're drowning, you got people all around you that are willing to help and building a team that supports each other and knowing that you've got folks you can turn to when you're, you feel like, man, this is just more than I can handle is, is, is how you, you know, how you find your success because we all have those days. So um, yeah, it's just important that, that you got to have the right people with the right attitude. As you take those those attitudes and as you look at manifesting change, right? So uh, you've got X process and you've been given a mandate to move to some level of innovation or some new process. How do you look at facilitating that innovation? How do you get everybody on board with change? Because I, like any organization, 
as much as you might tell people get ready for change, when you bring change, and certainly in a in healthcare, things change a little more slowly. Uh, so people, it's it's when things move slowly, it's harder to you know make those change because things tend to last longer. Are there things that you've uncovered or approaches you've developed to try to get everybody excited about change or to facilitate change to to do something new? Yeah, um, there's definitely a process to that. So. I think the first thing is your own mindset, checking your own mindset. So maybe there's a process you implemented a while ago and it's worked fairly well. And now a new directive's come and we're going to go a different direction. So don't be too married to your old processes. Even if you're they're tried true, familiar to you, you know, be open to something new because it might be better than what you're doing today. So first check your first mindset. Make sure you're at, you know, your 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 feelings about this process are in the right place. Um, and then it's it's bringing your teams together and talking through it as a team. You it, you know, I'm, in those situations, I'm I'm naturally going to kind of lead them, lead the discussion. But I definitely want to hear from everybody sitting at the table what their thoughts are. And then when I get one or two people in particular that seem dug in against this change, in my mind, they've just become my project managers. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I'm going to make this their project. And, and I, I know that they're smart enough to do it. They're just a little dug in. And so I generally find that they, they, they nominate themselves in my mind. Okay. You're, you're totally against this idea. This is your project. And uh, when you, you know, again, I, I like to be around high performers, everybody likes a challenge and generally they'll embrace that challenge and run with it. So that's usually my strategy for getting my teams on board. And then, you know, when you are sitting around the table, don't get too bogged down, stay focused on what, uh, you know, what, the, what the object is that we're trying to do here. Cause we can all find 50 reasons why we shouldn't do it, or we couldn't do it, or all the barriers are always there. Don't let those get in the way of, of what you need to be achieving. If it's the right thing for the organization. Well, I would imagine there's a lot of things that can get in your way with a large health system like HCA. Yes. Yes. We, we jokingly say it is a legal company that dabbles in healthcare. <laughs> um, we, we love it. We love our legal teams. They keep us out of trouble. They, they keep us compliant, but there's a lot of checks and balances and um, you know, lots of hoops you have to go through to make sure that we're doing things in a compliant manner. And as, as I've, as I told many companies that I work with, you know, once we get past this, you can feel, you can feel good about, you know, you've, you've met all the, you know, you've met all the requirements. And I even had physicians tell me that too. They said, man, it's a pain. It's a real pain what we have to go through, but you know what? I sleep good at night knowing that I'm doing things in a compliant way. I don't worry about it because I know how rigorous HCA is about their compliance policies. So yeah. um, it's, 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 it is I'm a very you... blessing. I'm glad you, it's nice that you appreciate it. I, I, it's funny. I just last night, someone asked me about some contract terms and I said, well, go reference the HCA contract that we have with you. And I said, that's the boilerplate. See what that language is. And if they want language that's similar to what HCA wants, then we'll say yes. Um, because it was a pretty rigorous process, but I remember the, the entire process of contracting with HCA, I thought these are good questions. These are good terms. These are this is what you should ask for. Um, <clears throat> so we usually, as a, as a template, if, if, an, if, if we're contracting with another organization, they ask for something, go, well, if, was it in the HCA contract? If it is, then we'll agree to it. Um, uh, and, and, and so I think you all do a good job. It, it, it's onerous. It takes time. But I think it does, it does kind of produce the, um, a, a good pathway to technology adoption that, that doesn't put your organization or your patients at risk. I mean, that's that's the goal here is, is risk mitigation. Mm -hmm. um, 
and we want innovation, but we want to keep the risk um, uh, as best we, we can. We want to eliminate risk. Yeah, that that's it. Exa that's exactly the only thing. You know, sometimes the timeline can be really frustrating. It can take a long time, and so <laughs> I think if there's a good quality to have in a large organization, it's it's you got to be tenacious. You got to bring the teams together. You've got to have those weekly meetings. You got to make sure everybody's up to speed, and you know nobody's falling behind, and everybody's doing the work that needs to be done. And there's so much going on on in our worlds that if you don't have that regular cadence of meeting, it just won't get done. It'll get a fall to yep. the wayside with other projects. So you've got to be really disciplined and very tenacious in order to get these things pushed through. I, you know, you said something, I want to go back to something you said, you said, you know, when one or two people are, are resistant, you know, I want to bring them on the team and to lead this, but you, you said, you know, everyone wants a challenge. And I thought that was interesting. And if, if, if I'm out there and I'm building a team, how do you, what do you look for when you're hiring people that want a challenge? Because there are a lot of people that don't want a challenge, right? There are a lot of people that want to check in, check out. That's okay. Um, they, they, they don't want the challenge. They don't want to be tenacious. How do you distinguish between that candidate you're interviewing that wants a challenge versus maybe doesn't want the challenge that maybe, maybe they will be the ones in the back that are resistant, but they also don't want the challenge. Yeah. That's a really tough that's a, that's a tough thing to identify. And sometimes you don't always get it right. Um, I, I really, in interviews, try to ask a lot of open-ended questions because I want to hear how they present, how they speak, their executive presence, um, you know, how, how they really sell themselves because we're all in sales. I mean, that's one thing I did sales a long time ago and I realized we're all in sales. <laughs> we're selling ideas. We're, you know, <laughs> we're all in that. So how do you present yourself? Um, and then just a lot of open-ended questions about, you know, other projects, things they've done. Um, you know, and like I said, you're, you're doing your best guess. You check the references, you do those things. Um, and, and then time will tell. And, and there are those folks that are completely happy not being challenged, grouped in, and there's a place for them. There's, you know, there, there are, there are roles for them, but I, I think if for my teams and the things that we do operationally, I need those folks that are up for the challenge, that are that are not afraid of the challenge, or not, a, not don't back down, don't let the negativity, you know, hold them back from saying what needs to be said. You know, they're they're pretty courageous in their their ability to speak up and say what needs to be said, even when it's not what anybody wants to hear. They question the process, they question how we do things, they even question our success. Um, they don't look at failure as the end of the world. They see it as an opportunity. It's the price of an education. We've always, I've always called it that. It's called an education. It cost you extra money. You just learned something, didn't you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> so uh, we, 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 we paid for college, right? That's just the price of an education. So um, I'm just looking for folks that have that attitude. And, and that's something you can't teach. That's just going to be inherently who they are. And, and either you, you understand it or you don't. And if you don't, then, then, then probably need to, you know, there's another place for you, just not here. So I'm really looking for that kind of open-minded curiosity and, and discipline and tenacity that, that, that really builds a good team. Well, I'm, I'm writing these notes down so I can better interview people. No kidding. The next yeah. time. I'm Man, <laughs> I'm ready to hire. Yeah. Well, <laughs> This is like free consulting advice uh, on, on how to hire great employees. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> You're welcome. It's it's the part I love. Obviously, I'm a people person. I'm I'm not the analyst working on spreadsheets. I'm the last person that needs to be doing that. But when it comes to just FaceTime and meeting with people and yeah. um, really kind of feeling their energy and understanding where they are, I'm all about that. And and I think you know that's that's just something that either you know you love or you don't love. 
Um, but that's just something I happen to love. Kelly, I, I've noticed just in the interactions with your organization, you, uh, uh, also John Reebok, um, and, and several others like Lewis Joseph, there, there's this calmness, right? You guys, you guys seem to understand the goals that you're going after. And, and what I'm noticing is, is you're aligned in this effort to do so, or, uh, quickly becoming aligned, I, I think, in in the the efforts uh, as it's related to sort of what we do and and um, providing care for implantable cardiac devices. But um, one of the questions we wanted to ask you was really about you know your goals as you've been elevated to this new role, and um, you know where's your focus and and the support that you have um, in these initiatives. Uh, if you can share a little bit about that. Yeah, um, you know, I always say, we're all, I'm, people always say that you're so calm, you're so calm. Well, mm -hmm. I'm kind of like that duck. I'm calm on the surface, but I'm paddling furiously <laughs> under the water. And so uh, I think for me, from the very beginning, I've I found that sometimes you hear things that just don't seem congruous or why are we doing that? It doesn't make sense. And what I appreciate about this organization is that you can always go pretty high up the ladder and have a, a conversation with somebody and, and at least understand better why we're doing something mm -hmm. or state your case. There's a certain amount of reasonableness, calmness, and, and there's the ethics side of it too. We're going to do what's right. We're going to do what's right for our patients. We're going to do what's right for our organization, for our physicians. And, and I, and I know that I rock solid know that. And so if I hear something, I see something and it's, it's a tough sell or there's barriers. I know that I can talk to, to the people at the top and there'll be some understanding and some reasonableness there. Well, we'll, we'll think this through and we'll either change our approach or I'll get a better understanding of why we're doing something. And so I, I appreciate that. And I think that all comes down to trust. You either trust the people you work with and you work for or you don't. And if you don't, then it's really, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to get things done. So I think you have to build that from the very beginning. And, and I got to tell you, you know, this whole time with COVID it's, it's been hard. You know, I, I think as we're doing things more remotely, you don't have that FaceTime, that after hours meeting, you know, at, at, at MedAxiom even, which we'll have our first meeting here coming up in person. So we've missed, that's, that's kind of broken a little bit of that. And so we need to get it back. But um, I think just that, that relationship, that trust is, is, is key. So whether you're doing, you are doing things big or doing things small, you have to know the people around you, above you, beside you, below you, everywhere, that there's a, a trust relationship that allows you to get it done. That's pretty cool that you, you've got an organizational structure that, that allows you to, to follow that path. It's not, it's not always the case. Um, and, and uh, it, it sounds like you're hiring for that and, and you've got people around you that all follow that same philosophy, which, which has got to be pretty cool. As you look at, you know, going, going into the, the micro where we've been talking the macro level, if you look at the micro, anything about what you're seeing right now in implantable device care, right? This is, you're, you're getting into the weeds. Are there things that you're excited about as you've learned things, any lessons from this uh, to coach people up on either opportunity or challenges or risks uh, that, that you would share? Cause you're, you're pretty thick in it now. And, and, um, I'm sure you've learned a lot. Well, I, I tell you what I get most excited about, and this is what I love about the Merge product, is that the automation, the efficiency. When I was hearing about, you know, I, I've, I've sat with these device techs. I, I, I know, you know, I understand what they do. I understand what the front office does. And, and when we can introduce efficiencies, 
that takes away from the kind of redundant administrative tasks that they're mm. doing every single day. I get excited about that because that's using technology in a smart way that makes our worlds better um, and, and makes our jobs easier and allows us to deliver care in a better way. So um, that's the one thing I get most excited about. And, and then it's just kind of connecting all the pieces, right? Making sure that you know um, everybody involved understands the scope of the project and, and they understand their piece of the project and their questions are answered and they know who to go to if they have if they have um need training or have more questions. So that's probably the piece that I get most excited about. The fact that, and as I tell my teams, as I introduce products like Merge and other products that we're talking about, I, I kind of, you know, want to reassure them that, look, we're not looking to downsize. Um, and, and certainly with this interesting hiring time right now, we need every bit of talent that we can possibly keep and retain, but it may mean that your job is going to change. Maybe you did all of these redundant tasks, which we're going to take away. We're going to use our the software in a smart way that's going to free you up so that you can spend more face time with patients. We can get more patients in here. Um, you, you know, you're not going to be tapping on a keyboard sitting in the room. You can actually be looking at somebody and having a conversation. Um, and, and we're just going to use your time more efficiently and more effectively. Um, the opposite of that, when I introduce stuff that makes their life harder is just depressing to me. You know, when I have to say, well, okay, we're going to use this product, but because it doesn't really mesh the way it should, you've got to manually enter and you have to take some extra time out of your day to enter the demographic information. We've done that before either. And I mean, that's just like, I just, you know, I, just, you know, I hate that. So anything we can do that, that marries that technology with, with the good people we have and using their talents to their full abilities, I get excited about. We get excited equally when we walk in and we evaluate a workflow and you're like, yeah, I can probably automate or eliminate 14 of those 17 steps you're doing today. And, and the nurses look at you and they're like, there's no way, right? Yeah. No, no, we, we can, we can do this. And, and having alignment with the executive team or the administrations that can drive the behavior that everybody is hoping to enable because IT gets involved. Um, and there can be limitations, but when everybody's aligned, uh, a lot of great things can happen. And and so it's fun to hear you say that. Th those I think are important to us to be able to automate the things that are repetitive in nature that you just hate to do. We can do a lot of that. And that's a, a great opportunity to make uh, instant impact in an organization for efficiencies and clinical care. Well, I'll tell you, Todd, they don't believe you. You know that. And, and no, you that <laughs> not at all. You, of you, course you're our sales that. reps, you shouldn't see. I mean, you know, you get a slick sales rep walking in and they're having this conversation and and people are like, it's winter and you're trying to sell me a snowball. And 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 only is that based on the behavior they've seen in their past experiences. EHRs were difficult to deal with in, you know, years ago. I think nowadays, uh, it's a lot easier. There's a lot of things we can do. And then it's just a matter of a focus and a priority. Those past integration experiences aren't necessarily true today, especially if you have the right team involved. It, the experience can actually be something you can believe and actually achieve. It's, it's hard to overcome when you walk in there. Um, even to administrators, they're like, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say they they don't believe me either. You know, I'm just <laughs> administrator. I'm just a suit. I'm the manager. They, so what I found 
is most effective is if I find somebody that does the same job that they do and they can say and look them in the eye and say, actually, no, it, it does. <laughs> mm. That's probably the most best-selling tool when they can hear from a peer, it does work. Um, and I think that's more meaningful than what I say and then what you say, but if they can hear from a peer that now we're using it and actually I can see, you know, X amount of patients each day, that means a whole lot more to them. And so I, I, I that's where I try to bring it together and th they don't need to hear it from me. They don't need to hear it from even the merge salesperson. They need to hear it from their peer. And sometimes we speak different languages. You know, your, your language is a little different than what we use internally. And, and it's, it's also kind of interpreting um, what you're saying and how, what does that mean to us? So, you know, that's just making a connection. I think Reed and I have talked about this at nauseum, which is, you know, we're salespeople. We stand up there and we tell you how things can be, but but it's always more advantageous to hear from others that are your peers at other health systems and their experiences, you know, to seek out information. Don't just take it for granted from what I say, but, but do your diligence, right, as a health system. Um, and explore who else is having uh, achieved the goals that you seek and, and are they alike and aligned? Uh, I think those are things we're always promoting. Talk to our customers, go, go talk to any one of them. Yeah, well, I, I always joke when we're talking to a prospective customer, I'll, I'll say, you know, I'm a little biased. So, <laughs> Just a little. And I, I'll say it, I'll go, you don't have to believe me. I, I I'm, take everything I'm saying with a giant grain of salt, please. And, but the, what I ask is go talk to folks that have been through it. It's not easy to automate things. It's not easy to bring change. So whether you believe the long-term outcomes that we might suggest, um, talk to customers that have used it and gone through it and learn from them. I'm going to go back a, a second here because I wrote down a note that I want to share with you. You, you said, hey, I, I get really excited about automation and efficiencies. And uh, on the on the flip side of that, um, we get hives when we see people manually entering anything. And we saw we had some cool analytic uh, that that we had come out with. And I was talking to a customer and, and they said, uh, oh, well, I tracked this. I said, oh, where do you get that? He goes, let me show you. And he took an analytic and he actually was typing something out of our analytics into some other analytic. And I said, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> stop what you're doing right away you yeah. make it you know did you just manually enter that number that you pulled from our website he goes yeah and i go okay give me give, give us 48 hours we're going to automate that but we're equally allergic to it and i like that you uh, are excited about automation and the chaos of manual entry it's sometimes it's something out of the dark ages when i watch in healthcare this how people will translate things that are in the cloud to paper and and then someone's going to sign it and scan it i think that's how we started with tca the conference room table stacked with folders full yeah. of device yeah. reports. Yep. Well, I've, I've been around long enough, doing this long enough. I remember the early days, you know, when we had all the paper charts. I mean, I remember going to warehouses with bugs and paper charts and, you know, <laughs> getting old files and where's the, where's the chart? Oh, it's in Dr. So-and-so's truck, you know, and it all, I mean, that was just horrendous. It was easy, but it was horrendous. And, and then, you know, we started out in the early days. It was kind of like my analogy. It's kind of like the cars and the, 70s like they could get you from point a to b, b but they would leak a lot of oil and break down and you know you'd get there slower and they were clunk, clunky and all that good stuff you know and i think we're finally now getting to the honda civic stage of of ehrs where they are functional they are you know we are using them we're pulling the data we're, we're not you know to the star trek world yet but we're getting there and that's that's exciting to me and it's been fun to kind of watch this whole progression over the years and the irony is you know when i would train um physicians on EHR 
<clears throat> the older ones knew they were coming from a deficit. And so they put more effort into it to actually learn it, how to use it, the things to do with it. Um, and, and, and it was often the younger ones who said, no, 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 I got this, that were the first to call me when they got into trouble because they didn't take the time to learn it, to learn the system, to learn how to use it. And, uh, you know, talking about, you know, putting a number in, pulling, you know, it's like anything, it's overwhelming. Um, you know, Epic is one of the EHRs we work with and, and Epic is, is like Excel. You can do so much with it. And a lot of times, you know, physicians learn or, or even staff learn one way to do it. And they think that's the only way. And they don't realize well, there's actually five ways you could do that. And the last two are a little easier. And so it's always kind of being open to being retrained, even though you're maybe have mastered what you need to do each day. There might be some things that, that you need to educate yourself on that have improved or faster or better. And I know we all kind of, at least I, I see my teams, you know, kind of roll their eyes. Oh, we got an upgrade. Oh, now, geez, you know, well, it could bring something better. So be open mm -hmm. to it. Don't be afraid of it. Kind of learn to embrace that change. If you're in healthcare, you, you change is what you do. We're constantly changing. And so you've got to not, you know, be afraid or even, you know, have a mental barrier. You've just got to embrace it. You've got to learn and embrace it, figure it out. If it needs to be improved, write down those things, share those things, but but don't ever get tired of of walking up that hill because you need to do it. It's just it's just what makes it better. Not everyone has that philosophy, so now I know why they put you in this role uh, to lead change in the organization because they they need that coaching, right? You're you're almost a coach of team. We can do it. <laughs> I'm an I know it's fourth quarter and we're down. <laughs> I just spent a lot of time encouraging, but that's all right. It's, 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 I get it. I've been there before and I know how it feels to, you know, like, man, where is this ever going to get there? This is horrible. It will just don't give up. Just don't give up. I always like to ask people, are there any anecdotal little aha moments? Uh, those ones, which, you know, you can always like tell a story. Well, let me tell you the one time this happened. We had someone tell us, um, I, I'll give you an example. We said, Hey, how's it going with merge? And uh, the, the program manager said, well, all I can say is when I go down the hallway, I get hugs. So it must be going well. And I thought, what a cool little anecdotal. He said, I don't have the numbers yet, but I got a hug. And so, you know, I'll, I'll ask the same of you. Are there, are there things in your path here at, at HCA, uh, those aha moments, the anecdotal, that, 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 that's something we won't do again. That's something that worked. Uh, anything you're, that sticks out to you? I have a funny one and then I, I probably have a real one. The, the funny one I think of is when many years ago, early in my career, um, John Reebok put together a little gathering and his his boss was there, Ken Washington. And he did these little kind of uh, fun games and we, we were doing minute to win it. And I can't remember if we were like, had a tongue depressor in our mouth trying to stack as many dice on top of it or something. Uh, we were doing something stupid and I was, I was up against Ken and I beat him and I was all excited. And then I thought later, was that a bad career move? I probably should have let my boss's boss win. Um, so that was, that was my, <laughs> my, my, man, I should have thought twice about that one. Actually, Ken was a great sport. No, no big deal. You know, I think the times that we've moved forward with things without getting the right buy-in from your key stakeholders are the things that have failed miserably. Um, and, and, you know, if you're not talking to everybody that's involved and, you know, sometimes administrators, we forget to include our physicians in the conversation and the nitty gritty, but they need to be involved in the conversation. It affects their, their world. Um, it affects their, you know, their livelihood and how they take care of their patients. 
And so they need to be a part of the process. And, and even if they say, no, I don't want to be a part of the process, do not leave them out of the process. So I, I think the, the one lesson, the, the one takeaway is make sure you include all the right people when you're making a big change or you're implementing something. You talk to everybody and, and you over-communicate what's going to happen. And you give them an opportunity to give input in it. And that takes more time. And sometimes they throw wrenches at you. And uh, it, 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 you know, you, you've got a backpedal, but in the end, don't we all just want to be successful in this endeavor and know all the, all that we can as we go into it. And so it may take us longer to get there, but we will have included all our key stakeholders from the very bottom of the totem pole to the very top. And I, I think that's, to me, the biggest takeaway is don't try to implement something, you know, quickly without involving all the right people and getting their input and their thoughts about that process. I know that, you know, that, that, like I said, it can be more time consuming, but in the end, it's the right thing to do and, and you're more likely to be successful. Look, we see it. We go through a process with an organization. We figure out a, an EHR implementation, a configuration of merge and how we're going to deal with and, and handle uh, uh, this implantable device care. We've got a workflow. And then, you know, we'll find out three months later, go, hey, we've got a problem down here, you know, uh, in room number seven, I go, what is it? it was, well, it's the provider that never showed up to any of the planning meetings and the workflow meetings and the EHR integration meetings. And, and so everyone just moved on. Well, that provider's pretty influential. And that provider actually has some good input, but just couldn't be bothered. Um, and we've learned that lesson uh, the, the hard way. And you all look around and go, wait, why wasn't he invited? Why wasn't he included? And yeah. there's a difference between inviting someone and including someone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's easy to put somebody on an invite. Uh, they might not show, but should have had them included in that conversation because <laughs> it has severe impact of, of their workflows and, and the things that you design. And, and so inviting is, is one thing, but making sure they are included is paramount to success. Yeah, where, where I've seen it, it's two things. We're either just so busy, we don't want to take the time. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's never a good reason. And, um, you know, and, and sometimes you need to meet the provider where they are, they're busy, maybe you need to schedule time before or after clinic hours, to just have some FaceTime with them and bring them up to speed, but you got to make that happen. Yeah. The second time it happens is sometimes you get a directive from very, you know, from, from high above of something that needs to happen, but it's really not the right thing. And you've got to be very honest with your leadership that this is, this is probably not going to be successful and here's why. And, and you hope that they listen to you. But um, th those are where I've, when things have gotten off the rail, it's generally one thing or the other. Um, we started this conversation with, with me kind of alluding to, oh, you know, your background and skills, this, this is applicable to any business challenge. But there is something truly unique about healthcare that, you know, the stakeholders in an organization might be highly specialized. And the knowledge they have, we as business people could never acquire rapidly, right? You got to go back to school. You got to have 10, 12 years of training to get there. And so it is a unique industry and you do need to both include them and listen to them. But sometimes they, they can be wrong about a business challenge that we're up against, um, but they can also be right and know something more from a clinical care perspective that maybe readjust our perspective as, as business people and how to make that, that right decision. So it, it is a kind of, it's a cool environment to be in. There is a lot of give and take that is unusual. And I think, I think it's a fun challenge. And, and, um, and at the end of the day, that unusual domain expertise is about patient care. So it's kind of a, it can also be a rewarding challenge if you get it right. Completely agree. I think the most successful 
operational structure in, in healthcare is when you have the dyad leadership model. And that's when you have a strong administrator married with a strong physician and you work together. And whether it's talking about change, leading change, having a difficult conversation with an employee or especially with a, a fellow physician, I always want a physician right there with me because they understand more uniquely, way, way more than I do, the challenges that that physician is dealing with. And there's going to be something as administrator that I'm going to completely overlook because I've, I haven't been through the training that they have. And so I totally respect that. And I, I, when I have to have those conversations or when we're trying to do something, I need to be closely aligned with a, with a provider, a clinical provider that can give me that insight so that I'm not making decisions half blind. And so I, I think in any structure in healthcare, that's probably the best leadership style you could have is, but you, you also, also have to have a physician that's willing to, it's a thankless job um, being a physician leader. I hate to say it. Um, most of them aren't compensated for that extra time and effort that they put into um, just making sure that the practice runs efficiently and they spend time looking over the processes or attending the meetings. But it's really important that you have their perspective. I wrote that down, the dyad leadership structure. Kelly, you're, just, you're a book of uh, management tips and skills and philosophies that I think uh, people can learn from. So I thank you for your time. I think this is super helpful for us, certainly, and hopefully for people that might listen and certainly for people that attend that MedAxiom. Well, thank you, Todd and Reed. I really appreciate it. You know, I think you do something long enough, you do learn a couple of things and I'm, I'm happy to share them. And if it helps somebody that's looking into healthcare, it's, it's probably one of the most rewarding and challenging jobs you could choose. Um, but uh, it's, it's kind of good to hear, you know, learn from other folks. That's what I did. So I, this has been a real pleasure and honor to, to speak with you guys today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much. It's, it's been truly a pleasure working with you and getting to know you as a person. So thank you. Thanks for tuning into The Pulse. For more information about Merge and how to improve your cardiac device management, visit Merge.com.